This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with filmmaker and performer Axel Abyss. Adult Site Broker Talk is brought to you by Webmaster Access, September 12th through the 15th. The show will be in beautiful Cyprus at the stunning Grand Resort on the beach. Go to the events page on our website at adultsitebroker.com for a 25% discount for Adult Site Broker Talk listeners. To register, go to webmasteraccess.com. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to introduce a successful and growing OnlyFans agency. They've been in business less than a year and a half, but they've experienced tremendous growth. The company was founded by two brothers. In the last year, they've done over $5 million in gross profit. They have over 130 full-time Filipino employees with affordable salaries. The strategy of the company is to acquire large volumes of creators, put them through their automated onboarding process, and then they decide which creators are worth keeping. Out of over 2,000 in the last year, they pared down to the 300-plus creators they have now. They focus on 30 to 50 high-revenue-producing creators. The top one is generating $120,000 in monthly revenue. There are many high-potential creators who currently do between $5,000 to $75,000 a month. These creators can be scaled through detailed focus and know-how, not to mention additional marketing. The founders have created scalable systems and automations through sustainable processes. The whole company is very well structured. The founders currently only work about an hour a day due to their systems. There's a great potential to further develop the revenue from each creator, thus multiplying the revenue and profits of the company. The main marketing is TikTok with some Instagram sprinkled in, which leaves amazing opportunities using other media and buying ads. Only $13.5 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is porn star Axel Abyss. Axel, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. 
Now, Axel is a French filmmaker and performer based in Tokyo, Japan, uh, just in the neighborhood here. Born in the southern French countryside, Axel was an introverted and unconfident kid who dwelled on his dreams and gave shape to his fantasies through writing or drawing on sketchbooks. His artistic interests soon led him to porn as his body grew and he manifested his first sexual desires. While studying art and focusing on cinematography in Paris, Axel had his first fisting at the age of 18. Needless to say, he never went back. After relocating to Japan, he explored photography, also becoming a model. Surprised yet aroused by the warm reaction of hundreds of admirers on the internet, he decided to share what he called his curse with the world. Axel Abyss was born. Embracing exhibitionism as an excuse to practice his self-taught filmmaking skills, Axel uploaded a video to Xtube in 2014. This was the first of a long series of somewhat experimental and pornographic pieces in which the performer explored the art of fisting alone or with partners from around the world. His work got more attention over the months, and he was invited by renowned studios to perform in the USA with big names of the industry, such as Brian Bonds or Amerifist. In 2017, Axel decided to fully embrace both his creative and sexual passions, and the curse becomes a blessing with his site, AxelAbyss.com. That's A-X-E-L-A-B-Y-S-S-E.com. Since then, he's been traveling the world, performing on stage at some of the biggest fetish events, and on films with Porton legends and new talents, receiving praise and awards for his work along the way. So, Axel, tell us about your productions. Okay. Um, so, basically, it's all about fisting. Fisting is my lifestyle, and now I, I'm doing this in, in, my, in my production as both a producer and film, like filmmaker. Okay. Um, most of the times I'm be, um, sorry, in front of the camera, and right. sometimes I'm behind the camera as well. Mm-hmm. Like, fisting for me is like... It's everything. <laughs> mm. Once you've tried it, you know, it's, there's no way back. And so that's what my films are about, showing how, how good it is, how good it feels. And I, I basically want to share with the world my passion for it. How did you first discover fisting? Watching porn. Like I was <laughs> probably way too young, but I found my, my first fisting porn when I was, I don't know, 14 years old, which was disgusting to me <laughs> you know i was like what the fuck is this uh yeah. why are they do the, doing this to the body and you know it was very like ritual old school porn like two daddies in leather the stereotypical 70s 80s porn which is really hard to me but at the time i was like not ready for this but after watching this it stayed in the back of my head and i kept thinking about it and got kind of obsessed with it interesting interesting yeah, at the same time, I was learning about my body, exploring this and that. And once I found my prostate inside my hole, that changed everything. So, yeah, that's how it began. Okay. How did you get into porn production in the first place? I actually never intended to, to be in that industry. What happened is... I am an exhibitionist, so I started posting stuff online, like on Tumblr, mm-hmm. rest in peace, and <laughs> Xtube, rest in peace as well. It's all gone, but at the time, it was a free platform. It was just for me to to exit to to show off my my skills, and 
uh, I was doing this for free. It was just for fun. And yeah. it went really um, popular very quickly, way beyond uh, any expectation. For me, it was, it was really unexpected. I was doing this for me first. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, thousands, those like tens of thousands of people liking my videos, sharing it, and then it became very big. And that's when um, Club Inferno, uh, the feasting mm -hmm. studio from Falcon in the US, contacted me and were like, do you want to film with us? Hmm. My good friend Tim Valenti from Falcon. So yeah, they, they called me. At first I was like, this is not what I planned. Like I was, I never intended to be a porn actor. But yeah. I was like, sure, why not? Let's, let's try it once. And I flew to Vegas from Tokyo. I went there. And I just love the experience. A few months after they released the movie and it became a big hit, they actually called it The Abyss. So <laughs> I guess they knew that I would be appealing to some people, I guess. Yeah, big hit. And I start, I, I keep going with my, my own homemade videos for free on Xtube until 2017 when I met Buck Angel, a transborn actor. And he came to Tokyo to visit and he was like, your videos are really good, but you have to sh you have to stop doing this for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for me, it was really a passion. It was a hobby. And I, I, sure. I didn't think I could make a living off of it. And he introduced me to his team. So the people at Zbox. And that's how it started. Like, they kind of helped me putting a site together. And, and yeah, it went very fast. And the website since 2017 has been very successful. And I, I feel very blessed to have this, uh, this thing going on for me. Indeed. Yeah, well, you're in really good hands with Danny over at Seabucks. They're, uh, they're fantastic. They are. Yeah, indeed. What do you feel makes a good fisting scene? So that's the thing. Like, because I, I've seen now how, how it works with big studios, I kind of go the other route where I want to mm -hmm. have something very authentic and very real, yeah. almost like documentary. Okay. So... As much as I can, I try to, on set, I try to capture emotions and I try not to script mm -hmm. anything, which makes, I guess, the, the reaction real, like more real. I always tell my, my cameraman to focus on faces because when someone is getting fisted, usually they will have these face expressions that, I can't, that, that tells a lot about what they're feeling. The morning, the eyes rolling in the back, all that is for me what makes it very authentic. You can't really fake that. Or you could, but I think people can tell when it's real or when it's not. So yeah, like my, my production is very much about that. Uh, the intensity of it, of course, it's an extreme practice. And for me, it's important to show how it takes time to get inside someone, how it, it takes intimacy and trust into um, the person who's like basically entering your inside. So it's very much about like the connection between two or more performers. That's what really matters for me. And that's what, for me, makes the good fisting scene. Of course, people are, are going to want like deep fisting, double fisting, extreme punch, punching. And I, I'm very much into it. But the authenticity has to be the, the main point for me. How, how much of your filmmaking studies comes into that? Um... So I studied movies in Paris, but it was very much theory more than practice. So I didn't mm -hmm. learn how to make a movie per se. Okay. So I had to, to teach myself. So I'm self-taught 
and my videos at first was, were a way to explore how to how to film, how to set up lighting, how to play with sound, mm-hmm. and then the editing. Until this day, the editing is actually my favorite part. Really? Yeah. And I know it's kind of rare. Like everybody's like, oh, I hate the editing part. It's my least favorite part. That's right? why I have an editor here now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like how shitty can, I mean, you know, sometimes the, every, everything can go wrong on set. And yet, sure. I feel like I can save it with the editing. I feel like I have the power to, to I don't know, fix it or make mm-hmm. it better or transform the mood, transform whatever happened, whether it's bad or good. I feel like I have the power to, to transform into my films into anything. I guess what I studied is, I mean, I, I, I'm very much into indie movies, so I'm not trying to look like a, a Marvel movie like with many v- visual effects or whatever. <laughs> but what I want is a nice mood, a beautiful color palette. I want l- a nice lighting and again, emotions. So that's why I try to do with, uh, with mainly my editing skills. Very good. So you're a performer, director, and producer. Yeah. So how are you able to pull all of that off while you're on the set? Um, that's, that's tricky, actually. Um, <laughs> sometimes I get very much in my head and I have to cool down for a bit, for a minute because yeah. thinking of too much at the same time. That's why I, as a producer, I'm going to pick the models, usually pick models who I am into. So we just make the things easier. Sure. And hopefully they are into me or into the other model that I, I picked for them. Right. So I, I will never put like two models who, who don't know each other or who are not attracted to each other together. For me, it's really important to always pick and I mean, to prepare and tell like, are you, do you know this guy? Do you want to film with this guy or this person? And building like, what are you into? What, what is he into? And build the, the scene like this with their fantasies, with their experience as well, because fisting is also, it requires skill and experience. Yeah. Uh, if you are a beginner, it's going to show and sometimes it's okay. But if you want a good fisting scene, you need to have someone who knows what he's doing, whether it's the bottom or the top. Right. So, yeah, that's uh, when I'm on set, I, I already know what about uh, what we're going to do, most likely, mm-hmm. even though there's a lot of improvisation. And right. it's important for me to, to pick a, a filmmaker that I'm going to work with. So I pick mm-hmm. like a, one, usually it's only one cameraman, me and the other model. And if, if I'm not a model on that scene, I will be the camera myself. So I like okay. a very small team to keep it very intimate. And yeah, like I said, there's no script. So usually mm-hmm. it's, we, we go with the flow. The camera keeps rolling. Again, I love my editing. So I prefer to have too much footage than not enough. <laughs> and <laughs> so I always tell the, the cameraman that works with me to just keep rolling, even when people are still like, getting dressed up or undressed or I, I like to have b-rolls so like the the break where we're drinking a glass of water or red bull or whatever i want it i might use it i might not use it but i like to have everything yeah yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's fun stuff yeah. takes are fun yeah they can be very fun and it's something that for the viewer that kind of gives them a taste of what's happening absolutely you get a taste of that, and you also get a taste of the personality of the models a little bit more. Because once we're rolling, it's very easy for a performer to become a character. 
I'm not that much into that. Like, I don't want you to, to pretend to be a plumber or anything. Like, I, I just want you to be you. And for that, yeah, um, the B-rolls are great. Authentic's always better, don't you think? I think so. That's what I'm into. And the point that I want to make is the point that I want to watch. I agree. I, I agree with that for every type of entertainment. I think people should be themselves. So if you had to choose, would you rather pick being a performer, director, or producer, and why? I love being a performer. And in the last few years, I've been performing on stage as well, which is a lot of fun. But I'm, I'm a person with a lot of anxiety. So I get really stressed before. And sometimes I like, is it worth it going through so much stress for just like 15 minutes on stage? But feasting is part of my lifestyle. So even when I'm not filming, I'm feasting like every week. I have partners uh, in private. So yeah, even if I was not a performer anymore, feasting would still be here. So maybe in the future, I don't know, I, I could become mostly a, um, a director, producer. But for my movies, I feel very... I feel the need to be involved. So when I'm just, it happens a few times before I, as a producer, I would pick a different filmmaker in Europe. For example, during COVID, I did that. Uh, I was stuck in Japan. So I would contact people in Europe, people that I've worked with before. Can you film that kind of thing for me? So I would produce, I would keep the, I would get the models together, the place, the, um, the filmmaker, and they would make that scene without me there. And that was a fun process, but I feel and then I was, of course, I was editing it because <laughs> I need the, I need to be in control for that. Yeah. But I, I like to be there. I like to have this connection with my, my models, even if I'm not in front of the camera. I like to also make them at ease, like make them feel better. Talk about my own experience when they sometimes I, I will. I'm going to film guys who don't have that much experience in porn. So I'm going to talk about my experience and how shy I was and how introverted I used to be. It's like a, like create this cocoon uh, on set that I love. And so I, I love being a performer. I don't know if I will be a performer forever. I'm already th uh, 36 years old. You know how it is in porn. Sometimes you, <laughs> you get too old. Um, and also sometimes, I mean, this year for me has been rough. I lost my dad recently. And so, you know, uh, I mean, life happens. And so sometimes you're just not in the mood. And as a performer, it's putting a mask on is not always the, the best thing to do. Sometimes you just need to step back and take, a, take some time for you. Grieve a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm still filming, but I'm making sure, I'm making sure that I film with some people that I, I know very well, that I trust. And, and yeah, and as, as a filmmaker, I'm exploring. I'm looking for new, new talents at the moment. And uh, yeah, I hope to to develop that a little bit on my website. That's a good, always always a good idea to have a lot of people. So if you do decide to ultimately step back, then you'll have other people who are already popular. So that's a good thing. So how do you ensure the consent and comfort of all the participants in your scenes? Well, like I said, I always have a conversation with the guys or the people that I'm going to film with beforehand. Not just on the, on the day of the shoot, but before. Like, what are you into? What would you like to do? And of course, on the day, they're going to sign an agreement before we film. But there's always this conversation. And it's very, very important for me to know what they are into. Because I do fetish stuff. Mostly fisting, but I also explore sounding, 
bondage, water sports, stuff like that. And not everybody can be in, into all of that at once. So that conversation is always important. I never force a model to do something that they've, they've never done before if they don't want to. And by water sports, we're not talking about water skiing, of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's always, it's, it's also a turn on for me to know what they want to do, what they are mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the magic of what I do is like, I'm showing their fantasies. I'm developing their fantasies and I, or, or mine, and we elaborate together on something that we, that, that both turn us on. And of course, when, when filming, like I said, we always have the camera rolling. But yeah, whenever- yeah, I was thinking about that. That's an excellent idea. I know people who have a still camera wide lens at the back of yeah. their studio and just have it continually rolling. So they have that too. And of course, my models are aware of this. So they know that camera is rolling. But whenever they need a break, we take a break. And if they, if they, if they want to like fully stop, we stop. The conversation is always going on. Even if the camera is on, I tell them, like, if you need a break, you can tell, say out loud, take a break. I'm going to be in the editing. I'm going to be cutting that part if, if it needs to be. Of course. And, you know, something else that comes to mind, there's obviously been a lot in the news about abuse and porn on the straight side. Ron Jeremy, I did a, my 150th episode was with Leanne Young who testified against Ron Jeremy to the grand jury, came all the way from the UK to do so, and was very outspoken about him and about the things that he did. He allegedly raped her at a party in front of a bunch of people. Do you think there's a lot of that in gay porn as well? Um, there is. I've, I've heard stories. I, I've never witnessed it myself, but I know of some people that I've followed before on social media and then stories come out and unfortunately yes it happens and that's also something that i always mention to to beginners that i i I might film with i'm like you need to know that you are in control of everything and if you if you don't want to do something just tell me and if what i'm saying is not what you felt was gonna happen or if i'm doing something wrong you just stop me there and it's okay, and especially in like extreme practice, but not even like in any kind of practice. There's no shame in not wanting to do something. There's all kind of practices and there's all kind of fantasies and fetishes and everybody can be turned on by something. Doesn't mean that it's going to be a turn on for everyone else. So communication is key. 100% and you hope they're doing that with other producers as well. So your films are focused on fist fucking, as you talked about, and you did mention you do a few other things, but do you ever feel kind of limited by that niche? Yes and no. Sometimes okay. if, I, if I start to compare myself to other models or other productions, in terms of numbers, for example, just on social medias, I'm not talking about money or anything, but just like social medias, exposure, of course, mainstream fucking is going to get bigger numbers than fisting. And sometimes like, damn, I wish I could reach that kind of <laughs> exposure. That's all. Yeah. But other than that, no, because I, I just love what I do. And right. it's very important for me to keep true to myself. I don't want to start mm-hmm. doing any kind of movie because someone asked me to do it. I mean, I get messages all the time. Can you do that kind of videos? And like, well, at the moment, I'm not into this. This is like mm-hmm. all kind of practices, like um, especially for, in the fetish world, there are so many things. 
And I'm not into everything, and that's okay. So no, I don't feel limited. Um, I think this thing is a very beautiful thing, and every time, every session is has some sparkle going on. And yeah, I'm I'm always inspired and excited to do it. So I don't really feel limited. Okay. So you're French and you're based in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, how do you like living there? I love being in Tokyo. I moved here, I think, 12 years ago. But that, that had nothing to do with my porn career that I have now. Because when I came mm-hmm. here, I was not doing that at all. Right. It can be tricky sometimes because Japan and the relation to sex work is very odd. How so? Uh, well, so if you have you ever watched Japanese porn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. well, that that's odd. Yes, with the uh, <laughs> yeah, with the stuff blurred out. Yes, I yeah, get it. The mosaic, the mosaic is mandatory, right? Or it's <laughs> funny because the one time I was in Japan, uh, I was in a uh, magazine stand, and I I took out um, I think it was Hustler or something, and the girls' private parts were wire brushed out. I was sitting there thinking, God, there's actually some guy who sits there. With a wire brush? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who, who had like a, a geek for some time. Uh, she was just putting put in mosaic on porn. That was a joke. Interesting. She was a little bit tired of it. but <laughs> well, That's the silliest thing, I think. I, it I, is. Just, I don't know. It's like, well, we all know what's there. Okay. Exactly. It's funny. I, I met that one guy one day who was actually turned on by, bonda- by mosaics. Which, I, I, I mean, I understand his point of view. He was saying that Leave something he, to the imagination. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. And so he, he likes that part. Right. But for me, like, no, I can't do that. So that's why I am still in Japan, but my production is worldwide. I travel a lot. Uh, my website is hosted in the US. So you don't market at all to Japan with mosaics? No, I don't. Yeah, makes sense. I collaborate with Japanese filmmakers so sometimes mm-hmm. we're gonna split the scene i mean we're gonna share the scene and they they would put mosaics on their part okay. on their platform and i'm fine with that but mm-hmm. i don't see myself putting mosaics on my films so how is working in japan different from working in europe or the u.s the thing is because of my my niche and it is kind of difficult for me to find guys who are fine with showing their face Mm-hmm. getting fisted with experience. Mm-hmm. All that is very um, rare. So you have a few great performers here, but they are hard to find. And Japan is an island. It's expensive to travel anywhere. We were stuck here for two years and a half during the pandemic. So that's the, the bad part about it. But again, I, I love being here because, I don't know, it's just, it's just very, very safe uh, for queer people, for example. I mean, my husband is a drag queen, and we both from from France. I would never let my husband in drag in the street of Paris at night. I would be terrified. In Tokyo, anytime, wherever. I mean, all, all over Japan, wherever, anywhere, anytime. Like, there's no risk. There's no chance that we get arrested or anything. And so that that feeling feeling of safety is like it's, it's gold. So you, in Paris, you actually might get arrested for that. Not arrested. You get ar- harassed. Harassed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you said arrested. I, I actually got beat up many years ago when I was living in Paris, just leaving a gay club. And <laughs> so I don't miss that part. 
being from San Francisco, it's, it's hard to fathom, but I do know it exists and it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty disgusting if you ask me. Yeah. Well, I heard you've had several issues with social media in the past, <laughs> haven't we all? Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experiences. On Twitter, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth account. I lost my, my main account one week after the opening of my website. So that was in 2017. That was very stressful. I was like, without Twitter, how do I promote? I mean, at the time, we still had Xtube and stuff like that. And I came from Xtube. So for me, it was, it was a good way to, to promote and Tumblr as well. But we lost these. And then losing Twitter, it sucks. It sucks because it's the, I feel like it's the biggest exposure now. I mean, there's a very big fisting community on Twitter now. There's a lot of sharing contents and yeah. I find a lot of my models on Twitter. I'm not even going to talk about Facebook and Instagram because that's... <laughs> Let's not give Zuck the oxygen. I got banned from that for no reason, or at least I don't know the reason, but anyway. I mean, you have to be careful with the wording. We have to be careful with the pictures. We have to be careful with, with everything. So at some point, I, I'm still on Instagram, but I, I don't put too much effort into it. I could imagine. Well, there's not much you can put. No, no, no. <laughs> and actually, my friend Yoshi Kawasaki that I, I film with a lot uh, recently got deleted again on Instagram. So I have an interview coming up with him. We'll have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, you had a uh, show with Yoshi not too long ago. So uh, we released the movie of our show. The show was actually last year. Uh, it was at the Snap Festival in, uh, in Brussels, in Belgium. And uh, yeah, they invited me to, to perform there. They wanted to, it was both like a talk and then a, a live performance. And then I invited Yoshi to perform with me. So basically we presented our uh, productions and then we shot a porn on stage. So that was a lot of fun. And I mean, most of the audience was sex workers. So it was a very interesting talk. Everybody had so many questions and very interesting questions. Usually when I do sex shows, it's going to be in a, in a sex club, very late, everybody's drunk. But the, in this case, it was very different. It was such a different mood and it was so um, enriching. Sober people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sober people, like fully awake and fully absorbing what we were doing. And, and then coming up with so many questions after, it was, it was great. That's nice. That's real nice. That's also what I, I really enjoy with my production is a lot of people are going to discover fisting through my movies. And that's why it's also important for me to, to explain that I am sober. In the fisting community, there's a lot of drugs going on, whether it's meth or um, I don't know, like some like cocaine in, in France is, is crazy. I, I'm not shaming anything, but I feel like it's so dangerous to get fisted when, you, when you're high, you don't feel anything in your body. Fisting is about feeling everything. For me, the, the pleasure of it is knowing that someone is entering my body and having all the nerves feeling like triggered, being touched, and you know, so many sensations going through my brain. I want to feel all of that. And I mean, being high is also the best way to get injured. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't that be dangerous? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I heard so many stories. I have friends who to that happened, like getting intestine perforation. You, you get with a color, uh, what is it called? A color, colospy bag, colospy bag? I don't know. Colitis, colitis, something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really bad. Um, and it's terrifying. I mean, fisting is, 
yeah, it, it has to be done with, you know, love and attention and some precision. Precision, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you're high, if the top is high, if the bottom is high, one of them doesn't know what's going on. So you don't allow any of that on set, right? No, 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 no. Good, good. I, I allow poppers to, to some extent, but like not fully, like not poppering again and again and again. Yeah. But that's it. I, I, I like to, to, to have my models aware of what's going on. So, yeah. Absolutely. So how on social media, how are your relationships with your followers? Are you the protective type or do you share anything personal about yourself? I guess I share quite a bit. It depends. Sometimes I, I need time for myself. Like I said, I, I went through some stuff with uh, family issues recently. And so mm. for that, I need to step back. But of, other than that, I still, I, yeah, I share quite a lot. I'm not hiding that I have a husband. I'm not pretending to be someone else. So yeah, I think the, the persona that I have on social media is me actually on a daily life. Like it's, it's me. Should be. Yeah. Again, authenticity is the best. There's no truth yeah. about it. And I think on social media, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Alex from Seven Veils about that this morning. I said, yeah. uh, you know, we were talking about, he says, hey, you need to be authentic. We were talking about a, a tweet with the old rapper MC Hammer. I don't know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. him. Yeah. I've, known, I've known him since he was 12 years old. And uh, then didn't even realize it was the same guy until I looked at one of his album covers. It's a funny, funny story. And we didn't see each other again until he was being interviewed at a Monday night football game. And I used to have a press pass to the games and I came upstairs and said hi to him. So anyway, I was telling Alex the story. But anyway, uh, you know, he was asking about the tweet. And I said, well, I know the guy. And he goes, well, it's good. It's authentic. It's, you know, yeah, it's good to be authentic. I had my past uh, as a as a sports reporter and got to meet a lot of the famous people in sports um, over the years. Never made it big myself, but um, had a lot of fun. Got to go to two Super Bowls on press passes, so that was kind of neat. So it seems fisting and extreme porn is becoming more mainstream these days. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, like I said, when I was very young, my first approach to fisting was watching this porn with two daddies in leather. <laughs> I remember that. And I remember those days. I remember the leather shops and the Castro. I was growing, you know, growing up in near San Francisco. And I remember they had the leather shops and yeah, that's funny. it was so, when you said that to me, I was just laughing. I was so funny. <laughs> and it still exists and it's great. And I am very much into it too. But I think at the time fisting was very much attached to this image. And so People were not into daddies, or people were not into that into leather. Would feel that fisting is not for them, and that changed. That changed with X Tube, with uh, people like me, I guess. Uh, at some point, I, I I mean, I started with when I was a, still a twink, you know, very young, and I think I was one of the first young guy doing fisting without. I mean, fully, fully exposed with showing my face and everything and not hiding anything and talking openly about it. And now the, the, there are so much more guys of my generation and now younger ones who are doing this through Twitter, through like main, uh, mainstream porn. Yeah, so yeah, I see a lot of more, a lot more fisting now. And I get also so many people contacting me like, oh, can you teach me fisting? I, it seems so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And 
yeah, I think it's just talking to so much more people now. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think you can do a YouTube series on it. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I think I opened an account once and I posted like a... Because I posted like a, a tutorial, but it was very safe for work, like nothing kinky or whatever, but just... And they shut you down. Yeah, I, I think it took three days. <laughs> Three you days on. Three and, days. Congratulations. Yeah. I've had two. I've had two timeouts, so I have one strike left. So we'll see how that goes. I've got to be really careful the uh, URLs I put on there. I can't put your link on there, my friend. But uh, that's okay. We can. Uh, I'll figure something out. So, how do you stay relevant while your chosen niche is spreading in mainstream productions? Do you ever feel like you're getting lost? Um, I have time where, again, I compare myself to other people and I'm like, okay, I wouldn't have done this. Maybe I should because apparently this video is very popular. And, but then I step back and I'm like, no, I have this big fan base. I have a lot of supporters who are here for what I do. And what I do is staying true to myself and to what I'm into. So, I mean, my website is doing good. Uh, it's been doing great during the pandemic and it's still going strong. So I don't see any reason to, to change the recipe. If it's not broken, why fix it? Right? Yeah, exactly. Of course I want fresh meat and (laughs) you know, like every model is bringing an energy and a vibe to, to my movies anyway. So it's not only me. And I think that's how I stay relevant. And if, if someday I step back as a performer, I will always have the energy of these people that are joining my production. Again, the authenticity is what keeps my production relevant, I guess. Cool. Any other fetishes you'd like to explore? Um, at the moment, I don't really know, actually. Um, I'm all, the, the thing is, I'm always open. I've tried many, many things, pretty much everything that I wanted, I guess. <laughs> but but the, the good part is every time I have new people coming in, I ask them what their fetishes are. So every time there's a new new ID and I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually hot. Like, let, let's do this. So I, I'm just, yeah, I just keep my mind open and I'm ready to explore always. Cool. So what's next for Axel Abyss? Um, so this year I try to think, to, to take things easy, like I said, for personal reasons, but I do have some shows coming up. Um, I'm going to Bangkok in in September. Yeah. You mentioned that when we were talking, unfortunately I'll be traveling, so we won't get a chance to meet this time anyway. Yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, I'm going to do this, like, uh, this performance. Um, we still, I cannot really talk about it because we're still talking about what's going to happen, but. I'm very excited to to do this. Yeah, it's probably a good idea not to mention it in case someone in Thailand's listening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just follow me on social medias and I will mention it whenever when it's time. There you go. That sounds good. It should be around the time this is coming out. So hopefully those in position to see it will have an opportunity. Awesome. Well, Axel, I'd really like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. My broker tip today is part four of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about keeping your site up to date and making sure everything works. Next, find new ways to monetize your website, such as sell advertising. If you've got a free site like a tube, that's the best way to monetize your site. 
If you have a tube, another way to make more money is to sell premium memberships. Offer free users one level of content, and for premium users, you can do things like give them higher quality or longer videos or both. You can also make the site ad-free for premium members. Start an affiliate program. If you have a pay site, this is a great way to increase your quality of traffic and get more joins. With all sites, you can figure out other upgrades and products you can sell to your users. Pay sites can also sell pay-per-view, where people have the option of paying by the scene for content they can't get on the site. This is also another way to charge users as opposed to a monthly fee. Sell them other products like toys and novelties. Market your business. Do things to improve your search engine results. There are some great SEO consultants out there who can help you get higher search rankings in Google. If you want some recommendations, contact us on our site. List all the benefits of your site in your marketing and how they affect the user. And of course, hire a great marketing consulting firm such as Adult B2B Marketing, which we also happen to own. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Brad Jones, the founder of the dating app Meet Kingsters. Adult Site Broker Talk has been brought to you by Webmaster Access, September 12th through the 15th. The show will be in beautiful Cyprus at the stunning Grand Resort on the beach. Go to the events page on our website at adultsitebroker.com for a 25% discount for Adult Site Broker Talk listeners. To register, go to webmasteraccess.com. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Axel Abyss. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.